I'd like to welcome those of you that are joining us online too. We're glad that you could be with us to worship this morning and join us for the service as we talk a little bit about faith. Unshakable is the name of the new series that we're doing and it's uh, we're, we're encouraging each other to have unshakable faith. And what does that look like for us to have a faith that is firm and is unshakable? We're going to be in the series. Pastor Marty kicked it off last week. If you were with us, you will remember that Pastor Marty started off our series on unshakable faith. We ended up our Beyond the Bleachers series and started a new series. Pastor Marty kicked it off and uh, we will be in this series all the way up until Easter. So all the way through the month of March. And then we hope that you'll come back and join us for Easter weekend. We're really excited about those services. We will have a Good Friday service at 7 o'clock on obviously Friday night before Easter. And that will be held right here in the main worship auditorium. Uh, Pastor Russ Batten will be speaking at that. We hope that you'll be able to join us. We will have no Saturday night service that week. And then we will have Sunday morning for the first time ever at FAC, a sunrise service at 6.30 under the main side portico outside. We hope that uh, some of you early birds will want to come out to that one. Uh, It will be early. It's a sunrise service, but it's our first time doing it. So it should be really exciting anytime we kick something off that's new like that. And then the rest of the services on Easter morning will be 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30. So those will be our service times for Easter weekend. Should be a great weekend. Pastor Marty's very excited. We've actually been planning the Easter services now for almost six months. So it should be a really wonderful time for our church family to be together. So please mark all those times down uh, so that you can join us and be part of that weekend. Well, as I said, Pastor Marty kicked off our series last week on unshakable faith. And if you remember, he had a ladder that he put out here, and he talked about two components to faith. And the components were when God's word and our will lean on each other, we have faith. In other words, when we trust the promises in Scripture... When we lean against the promises that are in God's word, when our will decides to do that, we have faith. And Pastor Marty talked a little bit about out of uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, where it kind of starts off and gives us the foundations of our faith. If you remember, uh, Pastor Eric Rebstock also used some of Hebrews 11 in his sermon a few weeks ago. And it's the reason that we all sort of drift to Hebrews 11, because Hebrews 11 is a great chapter where it talks about the great men of faith in the Old Testament and in the Bible and, and how God used them with their faith. So we wind up going to Hebrews 11, and we'll see as we study that here today. But I wanted to kick it off and actually talk out of a, uh, speak out of a verse in James. James 2, 17 through 20 says this, and this will sort of set the foundation for where we're going this week when we talk about personal faith. It says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? James gives us a hypothetical situation and says, you know, just having faith and believing in God is not enough because even the demons know that there's a God. But our faith needs to be coupled with something that he's referring to as works. The things that we do and the things that we say. And and when our faith is coupled together with works, we have a complete picture of our faith. 
As we talk about personal faith this week, the passage makes this distinction that our faith should be accompanied by the way that we live, by the outworking of our faith. See, spiritual works are the evidence, not the energizer of our faith. Scripture calls it works, and it's the things that we do. It's the way that we live. Going back to the foundation of faith in Romans 10, 9, and 10, Scripture lays out a clear plan for us of how we even get this faith. And it goes back to the latter illustration. It's relying on the promises of God's Word. And when our will finally does that, in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, Romans 10, 9, and 10, Paul gives us a complete picture of how we come to faith in Christ. The way that we come to faith in Christ is by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's what Easter is all about. That's what we celebrate Easter for. And when we take that promise in God's word and when our will yields to that promise, we have faith. That's how someone becomes a believer. That's how someone becomes a Christian. That's how someone becomes added to the family of God. It's by taking that promise that's in Scripture and confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God did these things. And when you do that, you have faith. But then the passage points out, and the reason that we're going to study this week is this personal faith needs to be accompanied by something else. See, faith itself is repentance of our sin, repentance of the things that we've done and being accepted into God's family and God's kingdom. But as a result, something has to change about the way that we live. Something has to change about the way that we interact with others. Something has to change about the way that we interact with the world around us. The idea that I would have in your outline would say, your faith is both personal and public. While faith is private in terms of salvation, what faith demands of us is seen publicly. See, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's a very private moment between you and God. It's a place that you get to where you say, okay, I am now understanding that I have to live for a different cause. I have to live because I have a creator who loves me so much he sent his son to die on the cross for me. And for me to be reconciled to my creator, I need to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. And when I do these things, that is my faith that comes into play. But then there's a public outworking of that faith. And that's the point that James was trying to make in that passage that we read in the beginning, that if you show me your faith without works, you can't do it. Or show me your works without faith, you can't do it. These are hypothetical situations. The two have to go hand in hand. They have to be coupled together. It's our private faith being worked out publicly. As Jesus is preparing his disciples to go out into the world, Jesus is giving them a lot of instructions in Matthew 10, and he's trying to make the point to them that, listen, the world that you are going out into is a difficult world. You're going to encounter difficult people. You're going to encounter difficult circumstances. And he says in Matthew 10, 32 through 33, it says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, 
I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, when you go out and you're starting to minister to people and you interact with this world around you, you have to be bold with your faith. Don't hold back and pretend like you were before. You know, you have been changed. God has changed you and made you a different person. In other words, your faith is a serious decision. It's the most serious decision you'll ever make. You can't say yes to God and then no to the fact that he's changed you. You can't deny that you're a different person when you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is preparing his disciples because the world that they're going out to is a difficult world. In 2012, I had the opportunity to join uh, Fellowship Alliance on a missions trip to South Africa. And we put this team together, and we were going to Cape Town, South Africa. And the team all, all got loaded in, and we flew down there. And we went to go visit a lot of these different townships. And these townships that uh, the people live in there, they are very poverty-stricken. It's the result of apartheid and, and the horrific uh, oppression that the people faced there for years. And as we went into this one township called Manenberg, Manenberg was notorious for gang activity and crime. In fact, we went there early in the morning. And the reason we went there early is because they said it's not safe for you to come back later in the day. So we went there very early in the morning in this township called Manenberg in Cape Town, South Africa. And as we go into this town, we meet up with this pastor. His name was Pastor Woody. In fact, I got a picture. It's myself and Pastor Jim Entwistle as we met with this guy. And uh, as we met with Pastor Woody, Pastor Woody explained to us what he was doing in Manenberg. And what he was doing, he was running a little shelter for children in the morning where they could come and get a hot meal. It was almost like a hot little porridge that they would make for the kids. And as they came in and they would get this meal, Pastor Woody would share with them a Bible verse to encourage them for the day before they went off to school. And try to encourage them just to be lights in the dark world that they were living in. And as we talked to Pastor Woody and he showed us his vision and, and his dream for having a, a food pantry and, and having counseling centers and having places where people could come for addictions, the one thing that really struck me about Pastor Woody is exactly what we're talking about. He said, you know, because Jesus changed me, I can't help but do something for this community. I can't help but reach out and try to take care of the kids and the next generation. I can't help. God's word, my faith, compels me to take action. Pastor Woody was a really dynamic individual uh, that we met on that trip, and I couldn't help but just think how God is using him in such a powerful way. But it makes the point that he coupled this private decision he made to follow God with his public life and the way that he was interacting with those around him. We need to consider how God has uniquely called us in our life and circumstances to live out our faith in a way so that others may see it. God has called each one of us to live in the world around us, and how can we impact them for the kingdom of God? In the beginning of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, Pastor Marty covered some of these verses last week, but the first three verses in Hebrews sort of lays out the foundation for where we're going uh, with our faith journey. In Hebrews 11, in verse, the first verse really talks about faith being the assurance of things hoped for because they're the promises of God. And when we take God's word, we can rely on God's word. We know that it's true. And there are promises in God's word that we can cling to. It's the assurance of things hoped for. And verse 2 really talks about those that are honored because of their faith. 
We see a lot of Old Testament characters mentioned in here because they were so faithful. They're mentioned in this New Testament book in Hebrews 11, and they're honored because of their faith, because of the decisions that they made. And then verse 3 really just assures us that it's our way as believers of how we view life and how we view the world around us. And the character that we want to look at out of Hebrews 11 specifically as we talk about personal faith and our faith being private and our, our faith being worked out publicly is Abraham. Abraham's a, a remarkable example. We go all the way to, back to the book of Genesis when we talk about Abraham. And for his faith now to be mentioned all the way in Hebrews 11, almost at the end of the New Testament, we see what a legacy Abraham had when it comes to faith. Abraham lived during challenging times. When you think about technology and, and medicine and basic shelter and food and water, Abraham didn't have easy access to these things. Daily life was a struggle. We talked about Abraham and youth group a few weeks ago with the kids, and, and I was asking some of the high school kids and middle school kids, I said, what image comes to your mind when I say Abraham? And if you're like the students, and probably most of us are, we think of an old guy with a beard and a cane walking through the desert wandering around, you know, getting his, walking in sandals, getting his feet all dirty, walking around, looking for food, declaring, you know, the word of the Lord. We get this image of these Old Testament guys, and it's always the same. It's a guy wearing a robe or a dress with a cane with a long beard walking around the desert. That's what we always think when we think about Old Testament guys. And we forget that Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham's whole life, the decisions that he made, the things that he did were based on his faith in God and Jehovah, what, what Yahweh was going to do. And he relied on God for the, the things that he did and the things that he said. And God made promises to Abraham. Disclaimer we need to say is that Abraham was not a perfect man. And he also made a lot of mistakes. And he made some bad choices. And he did some things that put him out of favor with God. But he was still a man of faith. And he came back to faith. You know, the encouragement for me as I read about this is thinking of all the times that I've blown it. As a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, as a leader. Like Abraham, I don't always make the right choices. But through God's grace, through his mercy, he allows us to continue on. And Abraham was no different. Abraham was a man who trusted God with his life. And he put his faith in him. And we could see the outworking of that in his public life. So we're going to look at Hebrews 11, starting with verse 8. Point number one in the outline is, your faith is your life. In Hebrews 11, we're going to take a look at Abraham and what God, the decisions that he made with his faith to follow God. You can follow along as I read Hebrews 11, 8 through, uh, we're actually going to cover 8 through 13. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even she, when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith 
not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. We read just a short little snippet of Abraham's life and some of the things that happened to Abraham, but one thing is very clear that we see Abraham as a man of faith. In fact, verses 8 and 9, the first two that we read, start off with the same two words, by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed. In verse 9, by faith, he went to live. We see that Abraham was called to go to a place where he was going to receive an inheritance, but it says he, he went out not knowing where he was going. He did this by faith. God called him to go to a foreign land. And he obeyed. By faith, he went to live in this land of promise, a foreign land. It says he lived in tents with his son Isaac. And he went out there, he stepped out in faith. I found it interesting when I read that because I thought, what two words would you attach those two words to any decision that you've made in life? You know, by faith, you did this, or by faith, you did that. And I started thinking about my own life. Would I attach those two words, by faith I've made this decision, or by faith I've made that decision? See, faith becomes so important in life as we're making critical decisions for us, maybe for our family, maybe just in the way that we publicly interact with our world. By faith, how many times have we stepped out to follow God? I met this guy years ago. It's probably gone back a good 20, 25 years ago now. It was at an event, and uh, this guy was a Christian musician. And he played a very unique instrument. We will just call it the xylophone or something like that. You know, it was very unique. And I remember talking to this guy, and I said, you know, he was very skilled at playing this instrument. I said, what do you want to do with your music? Because he was trying to record some stuff. He had cameras set up. And he said, I remember him saying to me, he said, Eric, I just want to be a star. I just, I just want people to know who I am. I just want people to recognize me. I just want people to recognize my name. I want to be on TV. And I remember thinking, well, first of all, I think he picked the wrong instrument. You know, like he probably should have picked a guitar or something because I don't, I don't know anybody famous for this thing that you're playing right now. But then at the same time, wrong goal, right? Wrong goal. If God wants you to be famous, he's going to make you famous. But make your first choice, I just want to follow God. I just want to live out my faith in the world around us. And, you know, I, I hope that this brother in Christ got straightened out. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, really only had that one interaction with him. But when I think about that, you know, we've all been at that place where we've had the wrong goal, the wrong direction that we're going, and we desperately need God to redirect us. But we want to be known for our faith. We want to be known for living out a life that brings honor to God. We want to be known for, bringing, for living a life that points others to Christ. If God wants you to be a musical star, he will make you a musical star. If God wants you to be an outspoken corner preacher standing on a pedestal somewhere, he will do that. If God wants you to be the greatest bus driver that ever had faith that other people could see, he will make you that. Be the thing that God's called you to be, but do it in faith. And do it as an example to others so that other people can see a reflection of Christ living in you. That's the message that needs to be conveyed. Pastor and speaker Francis Chan is quoted as saying, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Think about that quote. Our greatest fear should not be of failure 
but of succeeding at things in life that don't matter. Boy, how many times in my life have I chased something that doesn't matter? Our greatest fear should be following those things. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The first part of that verse, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know the problem? Is we forget that it's no longer I who live. And we get to this place where we're still trying to be the ones who are living. And when we get to that place where we realize it's Christ living in us, it's no longer us that needs to be the star. It's Christ that needs to be the star. It's the reflection of Christ in us. That's what needs to be conveyed to others. Make faith your life. People should be able to see the reflection of Christ in your daily life. Point number two is your faith will be tested. In Hebrews 11 through 9, it continues on, and we see a little bit about Abraham's test that he has as this Old Testament guy walking around in the desert with his beard and his dress and his uh, cane. It says, By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. See, Abraham's living in difficulty. God has promised to him that he would make him a great nation. And as Abraham gets up there in years and up there in age, and his wife Sarah gets up there in age and up there in years, they realize they're probably past the age of being able to have a child. And he's living in a tent in a foreign land. And you have to wonder, did Abraham think, something's wrong here? You know, God promised me that my descendants were going to be just, you know, as innumerable as the grains of the seashore. And he promised me that we're going to have an heir, and I I have no children, and I'm old, and my wife is old. And we're supposed to have this great nation that comes out of us, and I'm living in a tent out in this desert. And I wonder the questions that Abraham had. You say, why did God bring me here? How will we ever have kids? I'm old. My wife is old. Where am I? Where did I go wrong? What did I do that now God has punished me and I'm not getting these things that he promised? See, God's word promises us when we accept Christ and we follow him and we have faith, we will have a life, a more abundant life. But we always put tangible attachments to that abundant life, don't we? Bigger house, better car, big family, honor, you know, in our communities, whatever it may be. We want to attach all these things that God never promises in his word. Sometimes the abundant life is just having the confidence of knowing that you have a savior who died for you and a creator that loves you. And one day that you'll be reconciled with him. When our faith gets tested, it can be very difficult. You know, I don't need to overemphasize and make the point that last year, the 2020 season, 
was a rather challenging time for all of us. I remember in January of last year, we took the high school kids and we went to Northeast Maryland on a retreat. We took them away for a weekend retreat. We had a great time with them. We were able to challenge them in their walks with the Lord. We were able to get them away for a weekend. And then uh, we also were blessed with temperatures. It was like 70 degrees in January when we went last year. It was awesome. Then in February, we took the middle school kids and we took the middle school kids to Pennsylvania and uh, we combined with three other churches and we had something we called mega retreat. We brought up this uh, guest speaker from Florida who really challenged the kids in the way that they make decisions in their lives. And I'll never forget his message because he he kept telling the kids, the truth of the matter is every day you're going to make a decision to follow Christ or follow something else. It was a great challenge for our middle school kids. And I'll remember that retreat too because it was nine degrees every day. We froze. I did not care for that retreat, but it was a good retreat. And we had this wonderful time with the high school kids, and we had this wonderful time with the middle school kids, and all of us that were able to take part in that were just so blessed to be able to take these kids away and and just enjoy these weekends with them. And I remember we came back from from that weekend, and and, uh, my family was personally excited because my daughter had gotten an internship with the Philadelphia Phillies, and we went down to Clearwater, and we got to see a spring training game, and I thought, boy, this is going to be my year. All these years as a dad are going to pay off. This kid's going to be getting me free tickets. I'm going to games. This is going to be awesome. And we got back from Florida, and a week later, things started shutting down. And next thing you know, the kids are out of school. They can't go back to school. And jobs start closing down. And then the church started shutting down. And then we couldn't come into the office anymore. And then we couldn't run youth group anymore. And next thing you know, in the middle of March, we find ourselves in this really weird place that we've never been in before. And it starts to get frustrating. I go in the the supermarket. There's no toilet paper. There's no paper towels. And now there's a little arrow on the floor that says I can only go up this aisle and down this aisle. And I'm notorious for messing that up. And, you know, people are giving you this stink eye when you're going the wrong way up and down the aisle. And now all of a sudden everybody's wearing a mask. The whole world changed within a matter of weeks. And I don't know about you, but my faith got tested because it felt very personal. All the things that I wanted to do, all the things that I was looking forward to, we could not do anymore. And your faith gets tested and you start saying, God, what's going on? What did I do? You know, you promised us this more abundant life and now we have this more restricted life. Is this the way things are supposed to go? As I was studying for this, uh, I backed up a little bit on the Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it says, The righteous shall live by faith. And I had heard that verse before. I said, The righteous shall live by faith. I've heard that verse. Where have I heard that? And I looked up the cross reference and I found that Paul uses that in Romans 1.17. And Paul also uses that in his letter to the Galatians in 3.11. The righteous shall live by faith. And the more study I did into that verse, I realized that they're quoting an Old Testament verse from Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk. And probably most of us have never read that book before. It's a short book. It's an obscure book in the Old Testament. It's only three chapters long. And it prompted me to go back and and read Habakkuk again and study that. And, And what happened in there that Habakkuk had this quote that said, the righteous shall live by faith. 
and a brief summary of that book. The prophet Habakkuk, it's just a recording of a conversation that this prophet had with God. There's nobody else involved. There's not a group of people that he's addressing. It's a conversation that Habakkuk has with God, and he's crying out because he sees injustice in the world. He doesn't like how things are going for the nation of Israel. He says, God, the nation of Israel, they've turned their back on you. They're not following the Torah anymore. They're not following your commands. They're living this idolatrous lifestyle, and they need to be dealt with, God. And it ha- Habakkuk says this in two verses, and, and God replies to him, and he says, don't worry, Habakkuk. He says, I hear your complaint, and I'm going to have the nation of Israel is going to be conquered by the Babylonians. And then Habakkuk freaks out because he says, God, the Babylonians are way, way worse than what we're going through as the nation of Israel. How could you do this? And God says, Habakkuk, don't worry. I'm going to bring down the kingdom of Babylon. And as the book goes on, you start to see how God lays out that every kingdom is destined to become Babylon eventually. And all the things that the Babylonians were doing with uh, putting people in slavery and and putting people, um, oppressing them economically. And all the idolatrous things that they were into, worshiping carved images, all these things that the Babylonians were doing. God says, yes, I'm going to use this evil nation to conquer Israel, and eventually I'm going to restore them. But they need to learn that they have to follow me. And as Habakkuk is crying out like, God, why are you going to let this happen? God makes the point to Habakkuk. He says, Habakkuk, no matter what happens in the world around you, the righteous shall live by faith. Whether or not the nation of Israel follows me or is against me, the righteous shall live by faith. Habakkuk, whether or not the Babylonians come in and conquer this nation and you have to follow them, the righteous shall live by faith. In 2020, when we faced a pandemic, in 2021, while we're still in the midst of this pandemic, the righteous shall live by faith. Whatever is happening in the world that you live in right now, whatever is happening in your family, whatever is happening at work, whatever is happening with your friends, the righteous shall live by faith. It's such a powerful verse. No wonder Paul quoted this. No wonder we see this in the New Testament. Our faith will be tested. Abraham's faith was tested. James 1 through 3, uh, James 1, 3 says, The testing of your faith produces endurance or steadfastness. And this endurance is the ability to carry on through hardships and become an example of true faith and a reflection of Christ to others around you. It's the way that we encourage one another. It's the way that we serve one another. It's the way that we pray for one another. Never in a boastful way, but in humility. It is the working out of our faith. It's the public part of our faith. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the reflection that we have to others is the works. Because the righteous shall live by faith. And so many times when our faith gets tested, we want to slip into that, woe is me. Look how bad my life is. Look at all the things I can't do anymore. Look at all the things that have happened to me. But the scripture challenges us and says, your circumstances don't matter. The righteous shall live by faith. It is the works of your faith in the way that you interact with the world around you. Your faith is your life. 
your faith will be tested. Point number three, your faith is timeless. It's interesting that we see Abraham mentioned in Hebrews. A man all the way back from Genesis, from the first book of the Bible. His faith being such a powerful part of his life that it carries on through all of Scripture to be mentioned in this chapter with all of these great people of faith. In Hebrews eleven twelve through 13, it says, Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. To me, when I read these two verses, verse 13 is is a tough one for me to see and for me to read, because God promised Abraham he'd make a great nation from him. But God never promises that Abraham would see it. And in verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. See, God's promises are true, but sometimes we want to add things onto those promises. He promises Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, but he never says to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, and you will be there to witness this entire nation and be part of this great nation. He says, no, I'm going to make you a great nation, and you'll see it from afar, Abraham, but you'll be in the arms of your Creator long before this is all fulfilled. God will fulfill His promises, and Abraham knew that God would fulfill His promises, even though he wasn't around to see it. But the legacy is that his faith was timeless. It carried on well after he was gone. See, the Bible, when we, when we look at the Bible as a complete story of God, as the complete canon of Scripture from the beginning to end, God told us the things that he wanted us to know in his Scripture. I love the way author Annie Downs put it in her book, A Hundred Days to Be Brave, which is the story of embracing the path and plan and experience that God has for you. Annie Downs says this, she says, The Bible isn't boring. It isn't just lists or just rules or a bunch of stories that are hard to understand. It's a record of who God is and the story of his great love for his people, and that's us. See, when you see the timelessness of Abraham's faith, you see that we are carrying on that faith even today. Things that were started so many years ago. His faith just carries on. There are descendants of Abraham today as a result of his faith from all the way back in the book of Genesis. I was wondering this week as I was reading a different story, you know, they, they landed a spaceship on Mars and they're sending back these, you know, crystal clear images of Mars. It's been pretty cool to look at. One of the things I was thinking about, though, this week, I was thinking about what would happen if you fired a gun in space? Like, if you're out on a spacewalk, would it, would it still, you know, could you fire a gun in space? Would that actually happen? Um, I know it's kind of a weird thing to think about. I don't know why I was thinking about it, but it came into my head. Like, what would happen? So I actually looked it up, and there was a study done by scientists that said, yeah, if you fired a gun in space, it would fire. And the bullet would continue on forever because the universe expands at a rate faster than the bullet is actually traveling. And if it didn't hit a planet, and if it didn't hit a star, or get burned up, or hit some other object, theoretically, it would go on forever and ever and ever. And when I was thinking about that, in, in contrast with the story about faith, that's how I want my faith to be. 
something that just goes on forever and ever and impacts generations well after I'm gone and generations after they're gone. Just like Abraham, your faith just goes on and on because the universe expands quicker than it can actually catch up to. In 1 John two fifteen through 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of uh, uh, the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. In other words, when we put our faith in the Lord, this world that we live in is going to pass away. The things of this world are going to disappear. But the love of God abides forever. What a great thing to have your faith in. What a great thing to put your trust in. When I think about my faith being personal and public, it's a constant reminder how each day I need to live in my life in a way that others may see the reflection of Christ in me. So how do we live out our faith? How do we go about this, this private decision that we've made to follow Jesus Christ? How do we do that each day and, and live out our life in the world around us? When I was a young kid, about five or six, my grandmother used to uh, come and pick up one of the grandkids and she would take us out to lunch. You know, she'd take you out and get you a hamburger or something like that. And um, grandmom always used that as a time to talk to us. And I remember those times as a kid because when we would go back, um, she would teach us, you know, these little songs in the car. And she, you know, grandmom always wanted to sing along with you. And I remember she taught us this song when I was a kid, a really young child. But the lyrics are so powerful and line up with scripture. She taught us the song. It said, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush. Oh no, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, our faith is both personal and public. It's a perfect harmony of what our faith can accomplish when we live out our lives in a way that other people can see Christ living in us. Keep your faith unshakable. Your faith is personal, but it's also very public. The challenge for me, the challenge for you, is every single day of our lives, no matter what happens in the world around us, is to live in a way that others can see Christ living in us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we could be here and study your word this morning. And God, as we have studied through the book of Hebrews and various other passages, it's obvious that you want us to live in a way that's different than how we lived before our faith in you. And God, uh, those of us that have trusted you as our Lord and Savior, we know that there's a calling that you have put on our life. And the calling is to live in a way that brings honor to you, to live in a way that brings others to know you as their Lord and Savior as well. Faith without works is dead. 
We need to have this outworking of faith in our lives. God, I pray for each person here. I pray for those that are watching online. God, help us to live our lives in a way that bring honor and glory to you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.